Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jolly Good Foodcast. I'm your host, Chef Jolly. The Jolly Good Foodcast is a platform to discuss and better understand the continuously evolving hospitality industry. Today, we have a disciplined perpetrator, a hospitality catalyst, and a spirited collaborator. Mr. Steve, who is the co-founder of the award-winning hospitality design studio called Design LSM, has made world-class hospitality spaces a dream come true. A strong believer of collaboration, Steve drives to engage clients, colleagues, and suppliers to establish long-lasting experiences. With an experience of over three decades, his exceptional curation of hospitality services truly sets a benchmark. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, wow. Okay. Hi, by the way. Um, well, firstly, just to clarify what you said, it was um, all perfectly correct, other than, uh, as you probably know, I've taken a back seat from LSM, uh, and uh, um, we have a, a brilliant new MD, Holly Hallam, who's been with us for a fair few years, and uh, she's doing a brilliant job with my co-founding partner, Simon, Simon McCarthy. And they've got a great team with them. But um, yeah, just to uh, go back a little bit um, as to what my background was. Uh, I'm basically from uh, Manchester uh, and uh, trained in Manchester. And uh, one of my first jobs was basically uh, at Manchester City Architects uh, as an interior designer. Um, and that was a, a very steep learning curve because um, you were involved with anything from OAP's homes to day nurseries to Manchester Airport and OAP's homes and uh, day nurseries involved you having to find incontinent you know, materials for you know people, children or adults who were incontinent, etc. So uh, that was fun. Uh, it was slightly more glamorous. On, at Manchester City Architect, at, um, at the airport. And then uh, after that, I moved on to a couple of jobs and eventually wanted to uh, change my life and moved to Canada, actually. And um, I got a job with a Canadian company called International Design Group, but unfortunately it was based in the UK. I wanted to live in Canada, had family over there, um, but uh, the job was in the UK. It was actually, they did huge shopping centres uh, they did the world's biggest shopping centre and they were doing the largest one in Europe, which happened to be Metro Centre up in Newcastle. So I wanted to wow. live in Canada, but I ended up in Gateshead. You know, that was basically it. And then uh, in, an, in a nutshell, I was moved down to London after a little while. And that's where I met my business partner, Simon McCarthy, who was already working uh, for International Design Group. Uh, and um, he, well, there's a separate story, but uh, that, that he was working for another company, International Design Group, bought them out, and we joined forces together. We were there about three years, and uh, Simon was only about 23 at the time, I was 30, and at that point, I decided I was definitely going to leave and do something on my own, asked him if he wanted to come with me, and he agreed, and we started Design LSM in uh, 1988. Uh, so uh, it's been, yeah, 30, you know, a, a very, very fast 30 years. So in a nutshell, that's, that's my life, <laughs> the last 30 years. 
Wow, that's 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 been that's been a a sort of wonderful journey, I must say, with all the different projects you've been doing. Um, from what I knew of you, uh, you know, when I look at you and your company, Design LSM, obviously, uh, I look at all these flashy to quirky to smart restaurants and, you know, which are the talk of the town globally. Um, but I never knew you were associated with the uh, airlines, sort of the, the market the retail areas and all that stuff as well. That's interesting. Well, we start, well, yeah, I mean, well, well, that's interesting because we started off uh, doing large, very large, super large uh, retail projects, you know, shopping, huge shopping centers. And neither Simon or myself had the appetite for doing that long term. And uh, we were, th uh, IDG got a couple of small restaurant projects uh, and um, they gave us uh, those projects because um, they, they were just a sideline and we actually realized that we, we far preferred working in hospitality design and that's what we decided we wanted to do. We just decided to do it probably at start at the wrong time because we started at the end of the boom and the beginning of the big recession uh, but you know we got through it and uh, it was tough and we learned a lot of lessons. Yeah, no, but but that certainly reflects, I think, where your passion and where your eye, where your heart and 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 sort of mind all were focused. You know, I mean, the restaurant space. So, Steve, tell me, um, with so many projects you've done and sort of more zeroing on the restaurant side of things, um, yeah, you know, whilst designing the concepts, what challenges do you normally face, or um, what are the key things that you come across which you really need to get your head your heart around to sort of you know make it uh, a very uh, sort of a successful project or convince the client if you like to say what wow, this is it yeah um well i think a client's also got to be very clear about what they're trying to achieve, um, you know, what, what the concept is, and we can obviously help them develop that concept. Um, but I think to start off with, with any project, and we've learned, you know, over the years, because with Design LSM, we wanted to specialize in hospitality. And, and over the 30 year period, I think 97, 98% of our projects have been in hospitality. Um, so we've learned to really try and get down to the fundamentals, you know, the boring housekeeping stuff, like which are really important foundations of a project, like, you know, how, how big a site are you looking for? Is it the right size uh, for what you're trying to achieve? Do you actually understand how much front of house, back of house you're going to get? How many covers you need, you need to get to achieve the turnover that you're looking to achieve on the rents that you're having to pay you know is it the right usage uh you know obviously is it in the right area um there's a, there's lots of things that are not necessarily specifically concept related but are business you know related and those you've foundations that nobody really sees but you've got to get those right once you know you've ticked all of those boxes and you're happy with um you know the location the rent etc the right usage, all of those things, uh, then we have to drill down into the concept. And I think that really 
you know, the, con the, the concept needs to really be uh, ingrained with the client as well, and we can help them develop that. Uh, for instance, with Churangi, which is obviously one of your yeah, projects, um, I'd say that's a good example of, you know, in London specifically, uh, Indian restaurants is a very busy marketplace. Uh, and so you had to cut and carve a niche that made you unique and make Churangi unique. And obviously the Calcutta uh, culture, the Calcutta cuisine uh, was the USP. Uh, and so we obviously had to dive into that and, and get and be able to build up that concept based on it being Calcutta and not just Indian or even though we knew it was you know, casual or it was premium casual dining. It's it's still there are still many very very good Indian uh, premium casual dining restaurants. You know, in, in London. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we, you know, you stand out as being a separate entity, and that's not just about the menu, not just about the interior. Yeah, I th I think Steve, you've you, you've you've mentioned a very very good point, and I think the key takeaway. Um, that I would, from this point, and I think for any investor for that matter, or any owner um, who, who sits across the table with you, needs to really understand more than just the look feel of it or the, the beauty of a restaurant, or it looks quite chic or cool, and these kind of words and phraseologies we get to hear that Steve, come on, get me something different, you know, all these sort of jargons that we get to listen, which are literally, I know, I can, I can imagine quite you thinking, you know, hang on, what are you guys talking about? You know, rather than drilling down to the point and saying, okay, have you done your P&L? Have you done your uh, profit and loss? Have you figured out how many covers and what's that going to make? What do you want to achieve? And then work backwards and put the whole piece together like a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? It's, it's um, I think, I think it's a brilliant point that you brought out rather than just getting on to the aesthetics of it, um, which is so, so important. I was just to say that, that, you know, that, 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 that is, those are the foundation, you know, something that we've not mentioned, and, and it's one of the very first questions uh, that we ask, and it's not because designers uh, are keen to know how much can we spend, and, you know, we want to, you know, get the, the you know, the, we want to milk this as, as much as we can. It's very practical. Um, we need to know what budgets there are involved, you know, uh, and therefore, you know, it's always important that we recommend having a good quantity surveyor on board that manages your costs, etc., because, you know, it's an opening a restaurant is an expensive process. And so you've got to get those boring, but absolutely fundamental things right before you start worrying about how, you know, how great it's going to look. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quickly digressing a little bit. Steve, you've you've got a um, well for the lack of words, you've got a very fancy surname, La Bouchardière. It took me a while to pronounce it right, with all due respect. Now, it, is is it a bit of French in it? It is totally French. It is, isn't it? But it is. But my father, obviously, from my father, who is, is you know my surname. Uh, but he was born he was born in India uh, himself, uh, but of French uh, origin. Yeah, and on my mother's side, it's Armenian. Uh, and uh, which you know, um, you know, I had a great experience when going when I went to Calcutta with you to find. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk Anonymous. about that. We'll we'll talk about that shortly. But tell me, okay. Steve. Now, yeah. now you must enjoy cooking. 
They absolutely, I mm. can't believe you don't. So tell me, what do you love cooking, Steve? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say I'm a great cook, um, but I do, I, funnily enough, I do love cooking. Um, I do love cooking Indian food, actually, particularly uh, vegetarian Indian vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian, but I love cooking Indian vegetarian uh, dishes and things like uh, you know dal's, tarka dal's, you know, with it's, it's with spinach, and I love um, bindi bhajis, these, these sorts of things. Quite, you know, and I like it quite hot. And, and to be honest, if I'm perfectly honest, it's quite easy uh, to do my kind of vegetarian uh, curry. We're very lucky here in Brighton. There is um, an amazing, next time you come down, you'll have to go if you haven't been already. There's an amazing uh, deli, uh, almost supermarket really, uh, signs of a supermarket called Taj. And uh, they just sell everything and anything, that, you know, in terms of spices and herbs that you've never seen before in your life. So. Uh, that's a great. That's a great place to go when you want to make when you want to do an Indian. Fantastic! I wouldn't, fantastic. Say, favorite, I wouldn't say it's my favorite food. Middle Eastern, I would say, is probably my favorite cuisine. Uh, but obviously, Indian comes very high up there with it. Right. T tell me, which dish, which Mediterranean dish are you talking about? What's your fave? Um, I. I think if you said, <laughs> like, what's your, you know, your gallows meal? What's your last meal? Um, yeah. That you'd, um, I would, without being too dark about it. Um, I think, um, you know, something like, I, I, I just love like, you know, Middle Eastern or Lebanese food. So like things like falafel, hummus, uh, uh, uh full uh, that sort of thing, you know, uh, I just uh, love. So, you know, they're largely vegetarian as well, but, um, you know, it's that kind of thing that, you, you, and it's very difficult to get hummus right, actually. Most places don't, and the Lebanese can nail it every time, I think. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I love it big time. And, and it's a great way to have vegetarian option as well. Great protein diet, but good. So, mm. so coming, coming back to the real deal, now, you touched a little bit on Charangi. I remember this was um, some time ago when we had a discussion and we nailed in on the concept. And, uh, and, and as a chef, I really wanted, uh, you know, our restaurant to reflect the, the cuisine. Uh, it's, it's only nice when you have, as people enter, get a flavor of uh, the whole concept uh, sort of reflecting through every single uh, item or, or, you know, decor or tables, chairs, floors, ceilings, walls, you name it. If it sort of sinks in nice, it's sort of be beautifully orchestrated. I think it's a great experience and all. And I remember, uh, you know, we had a discussion and, and, and we decided and we said, Steve, let's fly to Calcutta. You know, mm. uh, and, and yeah. uh, I, was, I was so happy we could make this happen. Tell me your experience when you landed in Calcutta, um, you know, apart from all the lovely food you had, I'm sure you were looking around and, you know, you were looking for flavors and nuances. So tell me a little bit about that experience that you had with us. Uh, well, <laughs> apart from an assault on the senses, uh, we had a yeah, fantastic, fantastic assault on the senses. Um, I, it was... It was, 
I mean, I had been to India before, and uh, in fact, I've been to India before t- two or three times, but I, f- I found it very different actually to other cities uh, that I had been to in India. And um, a lot of British influence there, uh, you know, more, more, more so than I'd seen in other uh, Indian cities. That may have just been from the areas that we went to, but I think it was at St. Paul's, the cathedral uh, there that, they, that we went to. There were areas in Calcutta that if you took away the, hu- the humid uh, temperature, you took away the crazy driving and the noises and everything, you, you could have been in UK, you know, you, it, would, it could have been in London, some parts of London by, you know, the, uh, the boulevards, the, the, the Victorian architecture, you know, it was amazing. And then, and then obviously when you got into the nitty gritty of what was going on in Calcutta with the amazing markets that we went to, you know, very, very uh, full of life. And that's the thing, I mean, generally with India, Everybody is just full of life, full of colour, you know, and it's just a fantastic place to be. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm really pleased I got to see Calcutta because it's also different because it has a whole mix of, or appeared to have a mix of cultures. It wasn't just kind of pure British or pure Indian. You know, there was a lot of different cultures going through there. Um, So, yeah, that was my first impressions. I, I, I remember so vividly, we walked into this sort of close to 250 years old Bengal club um, and, and we walked into it. Uh, we started sort of going through the little passages and alleys in the hotel, which is now sort of a hotel and a club. And still, uh, just like some of the very selective membership clubs in the UK, Bengal club still has retained that sort of uh, uh, very exclusive membership. And uh, mm. I, I remember you were gazing closely on the grills and on the ceilings, on the floor, uh, you know, like, like you were literally wanting to connect with them, taking pictures. And finally, uh, later, when we saw your presentation of the restaurant, uh, it was so beautifully uh, reflective of those, uh, you know, art and, and windows or the doors or the louvre uh, sort of shutters we saw in the uh, the golf club, which is about 300 years old. Um, so I, you know, I, I can understand from a designer's point of view, there's so much which goes on, um, you know, that you had to absorb. Um, what did you think yeah. of the food? Um, do you remember some of the food experiences? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, they were great. I mean, you know, you know, I was I was dragged around <laughs> to about five restaurants a day, um, you know, and uh, with Angela and yourself, and you know, it was just a great uh, experience to uh, uh, to 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 have. And uh, obviously, I was guided, um, you know, by yourselves, and you'd order about seven meals on every time we went. So it was uh, <laughs> again another you know, culinary assault on the senses. Uh, so yeah, no, it was, it was fabulous. It was great, and um, and slightly different to other Indian. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you know, there's of course this whole, you know, I know the regions from you know from the south to the north to the east to the west are, are, are very different foods because of their geographical reasons. But I think with Calcutta, it was a whole mishmash, you know, of uh, lots of different uh, cultures coming together there. 
and uh, in some ways I would say some of the food didn't even feel Indian you know um, and that's the interesting thing about it. Um, well, yeah, so, I think yeah, no. I think yeah, I think the the beauty is um, what obviously we were researching was more a Calcutta, the undiscovered part of Calcutta, which is sort of three hundred odd years old, with the confluence of cultures, the Europeans, the French, the Portuguese. Um, not to forget yeah. the beautiful Armenian church we visited, and you know you had a sort of a connect there as well. Now that was really yeah. nice. So. I think Calcutta has a lot more to offer, uh, you know, than just sort of loosely putting it as Bengali food. Uh, it's such rich mm. in culture. I, I can very vividly remember by the street, uh, very close to the Hooghly Bridge, we were sampling Pani Puri, and, uh, and, and that was great. Uh, what an experience. Uh, I hope I hope you were well after that. I'm sure you were. Yeah. <laughs> I was fine all week. I was no problem yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah no, uh, it, it, the takeaway from India generally, and particularly kind of maybe magnified by Calcutta, is just the verve for life and, the you know, the joy of living, really. You know, I mean... I know people talk about, well, you know, there's poverty, this and that and the other, but everybody, you know, it's just so positive. And uh, that's what I, you know, you take away from it, really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. To the night, to the, to the uh, clubs that you talked about, the gentlemen's clubs or the, you know, the Victorian clubs. Um, yeah, they were, they were amazing as well. They, you know, took a lot away from that. And obviously when I came back with, um, um, when I came back with the, uh, you know, with what I'd found, obviously with the team, with Karen and Lisa, you know, we sat down and kind of disseminated uh, exactly what what we took out of that. And given the site that you were looking at um, and that you were cooking front of house, but you needed a decent amount of back of house, that kind of then presented itself that it had to have a mezzanine. And, you know, things because of what you see and what you're doing and what your concept is, things start building up in that way and you start building it up one at a time. And that's, that's how the interior fitted into that concept because of the things that you required, you know, um, and, um, you know, gosh, I've never, it's, it's, it's the longest period between finishing a project and seeing it open because of I know. COVID, but I'm really yeah, looking yeah. forward to seeing it. But I tell you how beautifully it's turned out because anything I look at reflects the story of Calcutta, uh, which which has mm. been cap which has been captured really well. Uh, great. Mm. So, Steve, now that you've mentioned, you know, you you literally then figured out your forte or your space or what you love doing restaurant. So so tell me which was your first ever Indian restaurant that you designed? <laughs> um, that, well, that, that's quite interesting because um, that goes right back to pretty much when we started, about, you know, in the late 80s. Um, and uh, Drum, I don't, are you familiar with Drummond Street in near Euston? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I so, happen so to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Drummond Street is, as, you, as you'll know, then is it is full of Indian restaurants and uh, a lot of them vegetarian. 
and uh, there was a restaurant there which was quite famous, well still is, uh, quite famous in the day called Divana and it's been there I think since the 60s um, and I think there was uh, an Indian community that kind of built uh, around there and so Divana we, we, we got put on board, I can't remember how we got that job actually but uh, we, we anyway it, we, we, we won the work and um, so we did Diwana and that particular client owned a number of restaurants on Drummond Street so we ended up doing after Diwana we did Ravi Shankar then we did Chutneys and then we did Zamzamar uh, all of who were owned by the same client uh, Nasser Islam and uh, and then after that we worked on Ambala Foods. Uh, so uh, down that street, we did, and there might have been one or two others that we did down there as well. But it was interesting because at the time, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it was coming to the end of the boom. We started at the, at the beginning of the recession, really. And when interest rates were going up to 15%, you know, base rates. And so people were not spending lots of money on restaurants, you know. Uh, and um, and particularly uh, in Drummond Street, and they didn't need to either because of the type of ambience and the food, etc. So we had to be just really creative with very little, and uh, and thankfully, you know, they're still there. Actually, most of those restaurants are still there. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I remember popping in to Ambalas and picking up the samosas or the Indian sweets from there. Um, well, now now I'm going to go there more often. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It was my first my first uh, experience of uh, uh, kulfi of watching people making kulfi and um, <laughs> them uh, taking huge vats of milk across the road because they owned uh, you know everything on the street they were going across the road and I <laughs> I had a I had an, 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 a meeting with the environmental health officer about something else. And he watched this milk going across the road. <laughs> and, I was, and he's going, what's that? <laughs> it was quite funny. We have to explain. It's not ice cream, it's coffee. So. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he got a taster of that as well. And you wouldn't have let him go without having coffee. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's um, fine. So, Steve, in the in the sort of smart fine or or more fine casual spaces in the Indian restaurant, um, mm. I'm sure I'm sure a lot have been designed by you. Um, so, is there some personal favorite you have uh, or favorites you have that you want to sort of tell me about and why? Uh, in terms of Indian restaurants or uh, uh, gen it, general. Uh, well, in general as well, yeah. Why not? I mean, I, to be honest, we haven't. You know, it, I, I don't kind of. Um, maybe other guys in the office do, but I, you know, I don't kind of. It's been a really fast thirty years. So I don't really reflect too much on on what ha you know what what's gone by. And but there are certain highlights that you have. I mean, you you, you know, you obviously got to learn from experience. But you know, there there are you know, some great projects that came across our path that we were fortunate to have. And so Quilon, which was a Michelin star Indian restaurant, we were very fortunate to get on board with that, with Siram, uh, Chef Siram. And um, that was, that involved a trip to India as well, which was 
uh, almost as well, probably was more frenetic actually. We went to fight with uh, Karen uh, Mitten, my colleague Karen Mitten, the two of us went along and uh, uh, we did a, a, you know, again, a recce of everything that actually evoked the whole kind of Quilon concept. And um, that, was, that was very interesting. Um, there are, you know, uh, the, I, I, I can't say, you know, that there are lots of favourites really for, you know, for different reasons. Um, there is, um, you know, a, a restaurant that we did, uh, which was very difficult to actually try and work on because that was in Hong Kong and it was an Italian restaurant, which a Hong Kong client wanted to create and he had never opened a restaurant before. Um, so the alarm bells go when uh, somebody wants to do a Michelin star restaurant, which in fairness to him, he did get his Michelin star and he wasn't a chef. He was, it was his first restaurant. And, but that was pretty difficult, but a great success. Yeah, it was a small Italian restaurant, um, Il Milioni, and uh, looked amazing. But uh, very, you know, he had a, a, a Hong Kong contractor who, fair enough, couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, and that proved to be, quite tricky for us to actually communicate, you know, other than drawing. So um, there are lots of highlights, really. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I also hear that, um, you know, very few people or listeners may know that, you know, you may have awards in the international scenarios with the best restaurant and they talk about the best chef and, and all that stuff, Michelin. But very few know that there are also recognitions and accolades for the best designers. And I'm really proud to have worked with you because, you know, Designer LSM has won some of the best awards in the, in the global scenario. So would you like to share something mm. about that, Steve? Um, it's, you know, to be honest, I'm not up to date on exactly what we've won. Uh, Holly, our MD, would be uh, very much better at that. However, one thing to point out is, is that I think anybody interested in restaurant designs, um, there is uh, an, an, an awards um, format um, that are called Restaurant Bar Design Awards. And that was created by Marco Rabora about 10, 12 years ago. And before him, there was really no forum for that. And uh, it's an amazing, uh, you know, he's built it amazingly well. And if you want to look at some of the best restaurants in the world, go on their website. Uh, we were fortunate, and I'm not plugging it because we did win, but we did win overall best restaurant one year with um, La Chapelle uh, in uh, Spitalfields, which is also a Michelin star French uh, restaurant uh, in a beautiful old uh, Victorian building. Um, but um, yeah, no, we've won several awards, several fab food and beverage awards. In fact, they, the guys won something, I think, about two or three weeks ago. Um, and yeah, if you go on the LSM website, I'm sure the you know they will have a, a page that shows all the awards that they they've won. Um, no, of but, course, of um, course. I I think it's a I think you know uh, broadly speaking, from a customer point of view, um, at the end of the day, without realizing how important every single grain in the restaurant matters from the decor, the look, the feel, the comfort. You know, when you see it all, I remember when we were designing our restaurant, Karen came all the way uh, from, you know, south and, and she says, Jolly, I want you to sit on these bunker seats. I said, yeah, that's fine, no problem. And literally there was the whole brigade trying to measure my knee to feet and, you know, back and straight and the angles were going on and left, right and center. 
and and they said all right how do you feel now i said well fantastic so the detail that goes because you know very often we've we could have great great service and great food but you know the the seats that you're sitting on may not be comfortable and it could be a big damper to the whole experience um and, well, and, those, and I mean, on that specific point um you know, it's it's important to know what the dwell time is. You know, do you want them to be there all evening uh, or do you want them to be there 20 minutes? You know, right. and that is super important, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know all so right. Karen has been looking at all of that, you know, in terms of the comfort factors, etc. you know, depend because, you know, you'll spend, you know, you go into a McDonald's, it's a different, you know, nothing wrong with McDonald's, but they only want you to be in there 20 minutes. Uh, whereas, you know, in it, you still want to turn the tables over maybe twice uh, an evening or even three times an evening. But, it, but you know, with the price point, et cetera, it's got to have a comfort factor. So there's a whole kind of dark science, if you like, behind uh, trying to work out what's the best. Absolutely. What a, what a brilliant point that you brought out, because, you know, not everybody looks from that point of view. And, and from a financial point of view, I think it's so important as well to sort of sink in with the whole concept. So on these lines, Steve, I mean, you know, with so many projects you've done, uh, do you want to share something about um, or, or some project which has been the most challenging to you, like really challenging? Uh, and what was that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the 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 Italian restaurant in Hong Kong was very challenging because of for obvious reasons. You know, we we went on, you know, we, we had to go a couple of times, but that was that was and and, and there was like there were language issues there. That was quite difficult. Um, but uh, I suppose one of the early challenging projects uh, was one of our very first restaurants. As well, it was our first restaurant. As sticky uh, as a design LSM, and that was Sticky Fingers, uh, Bill Wyman's Sticky Fingers, in, and at the time he was in still in the Rolling Stones, and so uh, we thought at the time that was an amazing project to have. Um, however, uh, we didn't realise there there was a huge army of um, negativity. Uh, for uh, Bill Wyman coming in from the residents that were, because it was in Kensington and it was uh, very well-heeled residents that were there and they just thought it was going to be a whole, you know, den of iniquity and sex, sex drugs and rock and roll kind of thing. And um, and all we were going in, and, 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 and at the planning meeting, um, which was a public planning meeting at Kensington Town Hall and the, uh, the London Evening Standard was there, everything there. I had never been to a, a planning meeting before and um, it was packed to the rafters with people who didn't want to have it opened. And all we were applying for was a new shop front. You know, it was not, you know, it, it, and, but it turned into a real political thing. And uh, anyway, they, that, that was very interesting. Um, we got through that and then actually designing the restaurant was, um, you know, because it was our first, it was quite com complex at the time because it was uh, a, a very difficult basement. We had to get a kitchen in the basement. We had to make sure, first time we were working with dumb waiters, we had to make sure that the dumb waiters were in the right position to be able to get the food out into the right location, etc. 
we had a client who, because Bill Wyman wasn't our direct client, it was uh, another, it was one of his business partners and um, he had very fixed ideas of, I mean, there was a good example of, I think what he really wanted was another hard rock. And we were saying, well, you can't just do, nobody's going to do a hard rock as good as hard rock. You know, you've got to make your own, you know, you've got to make your own path here. And um, when I actually, I did go to Bill Wyman's house uh, once to sit, to, to look for all the memorabilia that he had, you know, with all these gold discs and all the rest of it. But one, and one of the most interesting things that he had uh, there were a whole series of paintings, fantastic paintings by Ronnie Wood, who was also a member of the Rolling Stones then. So, but the paintings themselves had no relationship to um, the Rolling Stones. It just happened that they were painted by Rolling Stones. So, but we thought, we thought, well, this will be great to make a point of difference and get this work up there. And uh, we got all this work up there and within five days they were taken off the walls because the business partner did not think it was uh, rock and roll enough, you know. And uh, so that, yeah, you know, he might have been right. He might have been right, uh, but it wasn't the way in which we wanted it to go. We wanted to be a little bit more uh, nuanced than just putting on loads of posters and you know um you know gold discs etc but who am i to say because it's still there after 30 years and wow. uh, and i'm doing very well so uh yeah i would say that was quite a tricky i must check that yes. out is it kensington you mentioned yeah, yeah? in kensington yeah i mean he i don't think the one was involved with it anymore i'm sure he isn't actually um right. he's probably turned hands a number of times but uh, I think it does say Bill Wyman's sticky fingers. So, uh, but that, that was that right. was a great start because um, because of its notoriety, it got lots of press, and uh, that's what we needed. You know, as a new company, we needed to say we've been involved with this project. So that that was a good start for us, even in difficult times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not well. Difficult times you mentioned, very similar to where we are in a different sort of dimension. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. being very dynamic time now. And um, mm. talking about that, I, I, f I figure going forward, the, you know, there'll be a lot of thought being done now, both from the design point of view and also the investor's point of view as to, you know, what's next and how somebody is planning to come up with restaurants now in future. It's going to be a, uh, sort of a big uh, uh, wallpaper with lots of scribbling to be done on it with different sort of if and buts in time, isn't it? But, yeah. well, that, that'll keep going on. But tell me, Steve, what is your sort of a go-to relaxing sort of uh, weekend place? What You know, from your mindset, you with a family or friends, where do you, you know, what kind of seats would you like to sit on? I'm sure it'll be more than 20 minutes. So... <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, um, yeah. So what's your to-go? What's your place? Comfort in, zone? in specific terms of restaurants you're talking about? or is Well, just you, is general. Yeah. Just general. Any, any, do you, you know, for, I'll give you an example. So if I was in Goa, um, I certainly would want to hit out on a, on a beachfront um, where I can put my legs up. And, you know, I can say to the guy, okay, can I have some rubber fried mussels or can I have some prawn curry, blah, blah, you know, or, or sitting by the river uh, and, and looking at the beautiful sort of, you know, the, the whole environment, the beauty, the flavors coming in, quick food being churned out, lovely drinks, great company. Um, but you as a, 
you know, from your mindset as a design, do you have a different sort of outlook when you no, choose? I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I can't speak for other designers, but I don't think designers think in that way. Yes, sometimes it's nice to go to a, you know, beautifully designed space, but I think ultimately people want to, you know, you know want to relax, I would want to relax. I like, I, you know, I, I, if I was choosing a restaurant, it would always be for an informal, more rustic, you know, info, informal atmosphere, informal service, etc. Uh, not dissimilar from what you just described, you know, and if it's a nice day, if there's a, you know, a, a great restaurant on a seafront. I just came back from holiday from uh, Corfu and almost every day without exception, we went to the same taverna um, on the sea, uh, you know, on, on, on the beach, uh, having pretty much what you've just described, you know, it's just seafood every day and very relaxed carafes of wine. You didn't get a choice really. It was just either, you know, red, white or uh, rose. <laughs> and uh, rose, the rose was awful by the way, but we had uh, mainly the white then. And um, that is just the most relaxing. I think, you know, you can be, you're not really, you know, you're, it's just, it just feels, you know, if, if, if you're, I mean, sometimes a lot of people, um, I, th I think this is, this is something that was really good about Burger and Lobster, actually, that, um, that they did. You know, that at the time they did £20, whether you want a burger or whether you want a lobster. And for a younger audience, you know, they know if they're on a date, a first date or whatever it would be, and, and Nando's is very similar, they can just go out and know what they're in for and they know what they're, you know, they know what they're in for price-wise, they come out, etc. I think when, you know, you go to a, you know, really nice taverna or, you know, a trattoria, you know, you know, you're just going to have a relaxing time. You're not thinking that you're going to be on edge and what's the bill going to be. And, you know, occasionally, obviously, you want to splash out and occasionally you want to go to amazing places in London, you know happy to spend a lot of money when you, you know, when, when, when you know you're going to get, um, um, in fact, there was a place in Brighton we went to the other week, it was my other half's birthday, and um, it was, it, you know, I wouldn't say it was cheap, it was, it was over £100 a head, and, um, but it was actually probably the best value meal I think I've had in uh, quite a long time and certainly in Brighton, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lovely uh, place where you live in, yeah. So to, to, to come to this uh, point where our listeners could be, some of them young professionals or young students wanting to pick up a course or for that matter, anybody who wants to get into the design space, is mm. there something that Steve would like to advise them, like, you know, two or three key points um, I'm sure there are hundreds, but just sort of what are the two or three key points that would tell that either you're in or you're out? Is there something that you want to advise people uh, who want to get into that space, Steve? Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. It would have been more, uh, I think, maybe probably Simon. He, 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 grills, uh, he grills everybody that comes in. Um, but... Um, I would say, you know, without stating the obvious, you've got to have a passion for it. Designers don't do design to become millionaires. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't make. Contrary to what clients might think, they don't earn. They don't earn fortunes. They do it. They do design because they love design. So, 
you know, that is super important that they've got to have a passion for it. And, um, and obviously designers have different skill sets from people who are amazing on concepts to others who are great on uh, detail and uh, to others who may be more uh, leaning towards project management, you know. So that's all fine, you know. Very few have all of those skills, but you've got to have a passion in one of them to be able to, you know, uh, go through there. And, and that's what we've, we've always looked for. Um, yeah. Passionate. You know, when I was growing up as a kid um, and probably done my O-levels, I had, I had a keen side for architecture and I loved the space, but obviously I couldn't make my marks in the examination. So I never got yeah. through that, but I, I love the design, the, the quirkiness of the thing. You know, this turns you on and said, wow, that's cool. That's something which I want to do. But, but I think what you've mentioned, passion, uh, and certainly having an eye for that really matters. Um, great. A talent, yeah. You've got to have a talent, but as well as a talent, you've really, you've got to have a passion for it because, and I would say uh, in hospitality design specifically, uh, it's very fast moving. Uh, I mean, maybe post COVID things are very different now with sites, but pre COVID and pre Brexit, um, you know, sites were, as you know, sites were very difficult to come across the right sites. And uh, when you got them, you had to move really quickly and you had to move really fast and you had to make decisions quickly and you had to be on it and uh, particularly in London anyway and um, you know so to do that you've you've really got to be on your game and put 110 percent in yeah yeah no I totally agree and, and the reason I mentioned this to you is you know when we were growing up um, as, as, as kids and from the college you know um, there were a bunch of kids who wanted to do engineering. Some of them wanted to do medicine, be doctors. Uh, some of them wanted to join the armed forces. And there were certain select, you know, the, the more fashionable ones who wanted to do interior designing. And that time, I'm talking about 1990, sorry, 1988, 90, back in India, where this had become quite a, a, a very, very sort of a niche space where somebody said, oh, I'm doing interior designing. And people say, wow, that's cool. You know, and, and now thinking of it, it's, it's just not a course that you enroll and you pick up and you do, but you, you know, in order to be successful, like any other profession, they, they need to have that in them, isn't it? To sort of excel and, and you, know, uh, you know, really uh, get where, what they want to eventually. There are, you know, there are, there's a lot of degree courses in interior design or interior architecture um, and um, you know there is a difference between what people think is uh, interior design and um, interior styling if you like uh, and uh, both are very very valid um, and uh, you know with interior design uh, or uh, pretty much interior architecture as, as it's called now and a phrase I, I, I'm not happy with, but um, it's, <laughs> it's a bet noir of mine. Um, but it, you know, in a good interior designer needs to know how to plan a space. And if you're in hospitality, that's ever important to make sure that you're, you know, Terence, we were lucky in when we started really, Terence Conran was the only person that was uh, designing really amazing restaurants um, and uh, so everybody kind of learned from the work that he did and Conran did and Conran really um, were the leaders for a lot you know a long time and 
you know, and then you've got operators like Alan Yao, who again uh, turned everybody's head with, with Hakkasan and you know, and to do to do these spaces, to work on these schemes, you've got to be you've got to be talented, you've got to be passionate, you know, and you've got to know your game, you know. And in hospitality, as all hospitality designers will tell you, it's not. You know, it's not just how many chairs can you get in a restaurant. You know, it's a very busy marketplace, and you've got to you've got to create that difference. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Steve, it was mm. wonderful, wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being a part of the Jolly Good Foodcast. Really a pleasure, and and what insights? I think I think it's been a great learning uh, from you. Great insights you've shared with all of us. Thank you so much. No, pleasure, pleasure. And uh, yeah, don't forget to invite me to uh, when you're cooking, when you're actually behind the stoves at Chirangi. I've, I've still not eaten there yet. So, uh, of course, of course, very, very soon. Very, it'd be a pleasure to have you and the whole team of Design LSM. So, well, Steve, if the listeners want to follow you, uh, of course, I mean, I'm sure they can find you in, 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 in Brighton, but where will they follow you on online? Where can they find you uh, online? I don't really have anything online. I've, I've gone below the, uh, the surface, but please uh, let anybody follow who's interested in anything that I've said, uh, Design LSM. So it's just go to start off with, uh, well, they have their own uh, Instagram, but uh, designlsm.com starts off with there and... Uh, you'll um that'll be a good place to start great great thank you so much once again steve and thank you to our listeners for tuning into the show we have a lot of interesting conversations coming soon on your favorite podcast app each week and you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter at chef jolly or jolly good chef for more jolly good content so thank you all have a wonderful time ahead